This is the Adventure Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. Pastor CJ is starting a new series, Heart of the Father, and today's message is called To Be in His Image. In the natural, we resemble our earthly parents, but we're also created in the image of our Heavenly Father. God is restoring us every day into His image so that the inborn image of Christ can be seen. We hope you're encouraged by this message. So today I want to talk to you about the heart of the Father to be in His image. How many of you know that God wants to transform us, to shape us, and to make us more like Him? Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, you ever heard the saying like father like son, like mother like daughter. In other words, that the son takes on the characteristics or the image of the father, or the daughter takes on the characteristics or the image like the mother. And so you are so, uh, like when you see my boys, uh, my boy, one is 6'7", the other 6'4", but when you see my boys, my, I thank God my daughter looks like my wife. But when you see my boys, there's a distinct thing that you can tell that they're my boys. And that is we all have that Johnson snoz. Amen? We have the snoz. And you can tell that we are Norwegians. Amen? I can breathe good. I can smell good. Amen? But you know, the thing is, there's a distinction about who we are. They have the very image of who I am, and they're very so much like me. They say, that man, your sons look so much like you. And I say, thank God they're not the milkmans. Amen? And so... Uh, but praise the Lord. But, the, you know, the, yeah. But in, in Genesis chapter 5, Abraham is talking, excuse me, Adam is talking there about his son Seth. And he's talking about his son Seth. In Genesis 5, verse 3, he says this. When Adam had lived 130 years. Can you imagine it? 130 years. Wow. He used a lot of oil of Olay and took a lot of vitamins. Amen. Can you imagine that? Right? 130 years. But look at this. He had a son. And not only does it say he had a son, but look what he said. He had a son in his own likeness. In other words, he was in his own likeness. You see me, you see my son. You see my son, you see me. In other words, he was a replica of his dad. And he says, in his own image, that his son was in his likeness and the image of Adam. And so if you saw his son whose name was Seth, you saw Adam. And so there was that distinction between Seth and Adam, Adam and Seth, father and son. There was that image, and his, he was taking on the characteristics of his dad. When I was growing up, I was a gym rat all through my years. I played basketball, played baseball, played football. I was a pitcher. I was a quarterback. But then I was a shooter in basketball. And you hear about my stories all the time that, yeah, I'm a basketball player, but so on and so forth. But I really was. But when my kids were little, Molly, when my kids were little, Rick and CJ were my two oldest kids, I would take them all the time to the gym with me. And so because they were with the gym with me all the time, they began to take on the characteristics of their dad. I remember when they were little, they started taking their basketballs out, and, man, they started playing with the basketball, and, man, then they, we had to get those little, uh, ju- uh, uh, little basketball hoops, and they would start shooting basketballs and start playing ball and so on and so forth. But again, be- taking on the characteristics of me. By the way, Charlie and Bill, your daughter just won the championship in basketball, girls basketball. Congratulations for Timber and college. That's awesome. Congratulations. Saw that on Facebook for Crown College, correct? Crown Crown College, that's exciting. And so, but anyways, they began to take on the image of me. And so many of you say, well, Pastor, did you really play basketball? Well, check out this. This is me back in the day. Uh, this is when I played for college, when I was, you know, slim, had my six-pack to the eight-pack, let you know it's never going to come back, you know, but now, now I got the keg. 
right? But, uh, but this is me, but this is my shot. And a lot of times people would always make fun of my shot because when I played basketball, I always played with taller guys, okay? The guys that I played with, how many of you have ever heard of Isaiah Thomas, okay? I mean, Isaiah Thomas and Maurice Cheeks. Have you ever heard of Maurice Cheeks? Have you ever heard of Terry Cummings, right? Ever heard of those? Isaiah Thomas and Maurice Cheeks babysat it my kids, uh, Terry Cummings, uh, Isaiah Thomas and Terry Cummings babysat it, my kids, okay? But I played ball with them. So because they were so much taller than me, my shot I had to bring way back there. And then the next one, I used to be able to jump. This is me back in the college days. And I, I never tried to dunk it. And to be honest with you, I don't even know if I could dunk the ball. My hands are smaller and they're softer because they call it a shooter's touch. But there it is. I, can, I could jump. Check that out. You thought, you thought I was some white boy, didn't you? Oh, this white boy can jump. And I, I, used to, I, used to, I was a shooter, and to this day, I am the number four scoring, leading scorer in school history at North Central University. And that, that was me right there. That, that shot I love because that shot there, I put the game in, I won the game right there. That, that shot, it was 60-60, as you can see. And that's probably one of my favorite pictures there because I really made that shot and won the game. But that is who I was. And this one is when I won all-national, all-conference team, an all-American. This was my Sophomore year, and I was telling this in my in my in my in the first service. This is my sophomore year where things really turned around in my life, and I want you to hear this. It really turned around in my life. When I came out of high school, I was recruited in high school. I went to a private high school, and because of that, uh, I played there, and they had me on scholarship. And to this day, I don't know who was the person who sponsored me and paid for my schooling. He was a lawyer. That's all I know. And so, because I played for that school, they owned you. And how many know when you got a scholarship, you're owned, right? Well, I was owned basically in high school, so I had to give up football, and I had I could play baseball, but I couldn't play baseball because I had to work. So I gave up football, and all I could do was play basketball. But when I played basketball at this private high school, the coach would always put a pyramid on the on the chalkboard, and he would always say, "God first, family second, school third, and basketball fourth. Well, actually, it really wasn't. It was flipped. It was actually basketball first. It really was. And God was really the, really the point or the bottom of really that pyramid. And so in that, he would always teach us, be meek but not weak. And he would always teach us, stand up for your players, stand up for your players. So here I am. I just get saved. I didn't know who really God was. I was ingrained about playing basketball, standing up for my players. I had a temper. And I go to college in my freshman year in college at a Bible school. I led the team in Texicals. My freshman year, I had 13 technicals my freshman year. Good thing I didn't get fined for that, right? And But I'll tell you, this picture means a lot to me because this was the transformation where I realized where God transformed and changed my heart. He took away that thing about it's not about me and about all the accolades. It was really truly now about him. And I used to sing the song every time when I'd step on the basketball court my sophomore year and from on into my senior year, I would sing the song by Keith Green. And when I'm doing well, Lord, help me to never seek a crown, for my reward is giving glory to you. And so that changed my life. And what God began to do, he began to transform me and change me more into his image. And he began to change my attitude, my outlook, and my heart. And so what happened, the reason why I took and selected this picture when we were going through our scrapbooks is because this particular game also was the very first game that my dad ever seen me play basketball. Ever, ever. 
ever, all through my high school years, my junior high years, even when I was playing YMCA and playing AAU, that's how I played with Isaiah Thomas and Maurice Cheeks. I played AAU ball and I traveled all over different states. But if my dad, uh, to the left of that picture, he's up in the left-hand part of the stands, okay? I want you to get this now. He's up in the left-hand part of the stands, which you can't see him, obviously. But when the game was over, they announced the All-American, All-National, All-Conference team. By that time, the game's over, and I'm sitting in the stands with the rest of the players waiting to see who won the, 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 the awards. Well, what happened was they went all through the whole team. They went through the whole, all the people that won the awards. I'll never forget this, Andy. You're a coach. You, you, you probably can understand when I say this. Uh, they went through the whole team. And I thought I didn't do anything, Murray. I didn't think I, I won nothing. The last player. The MVP, most valuable player, all-national, all-conference player, all-American, Craig Johnson. And this floor, I walked out of the bleachers, unaware, unwilling, unknowing, I should say, unknowing. I walked out into the floor to receive my award, and I walked up to the president of the conference, and he handed me my MVP. The un unaware, what right behind me, when I turned around and the crowd was celebrating, there was my dad. He followed me out of the bleachers. And my dad, who's not a guy that says, I love you, grabbed me right in front of that crowd and on the other side, grabbed me, and he's crying. He said, son, I'm so proud of you, and I love you. And the crowd went wild. And that picture means so much to me. But because of my basketball experience, it led on to my boys. And then it went to this. This is, go ahead, Lisa. This is my, this is my son, Rick. He was at that age when he started playing basketball. And that age is about four, maybe three, how old it, baby? He's young. And we took him, and there he is there. This is high school. He's six, seven. And he began, he became All-American, All-National, All-Conference team. He got a full-ride scholarship to Illinois. He was, there he is, that's a school write-up about basketball. And go ahead. And so here he is in college. That particular game, Cheryl and I were at, he had 39 points at that particular game. They could not stop him. I'll never forget that game. And then we have my other son. This is my other son, CJ. CJ became freshman player of the year in college. He also became All-American. This is my son's, if you notice, number 32, the same thing as me, like father, like son. He became All-American, All-National, All-Conference, freshman player of the year in college in Illinois. He was freshman, there he is in college. He became freshman player of the year in college, like father, like son. Four o'clock in the morning, my son CJ calls me on the phone and he's crying. And my son and my daughters, they grew up in a Christian home. And how many of you know your kids will sometimes go astray? All you could do is train them up in the way that you go. And when they are older, they'll love to depart from it, right? Well, my sons, because they were on top of the world, they both played together in high school. They both played together in college. And so they, they got kind of drifted away. So he called me, Heather, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning. I'll never forget this image. Get this, now the image. Like father, like son, Right? You got to get this. He calls me and he says, Dad, I said, Son, what are you doing? He says, Dad, I don't want to be here no more. What do you mean you don't want to be here? 
I said, Dad, I don't like this life. I said, what do you mean, son? He said, I'm walking away. Now, guys, listen. If you would have saw my son, son's apartment and the scholarship they had, the place that the school put him in, they had a three-story, you should have seen, Jason. It was amazing what they lived in. They had the luxuries or the laps of whatever you want to call it, lap of luxury. It was amazing. He calls me. He says, Dad, I'm walking away. And I said, why, son? He says, Daddy, I want to be like you. I want to be a preacher. And he walked away from a full-ride scholarship, freshman player of the year, and now today has a church of over 3,000 people. Like father, like son. Jesus, if you have your notes there, Jesus wants us to be like you. You, you were created by God in God's image for God's glory. He's talking about you today. You were created in God's image for God's glory. You. Not the person to the right or to the left of you, but you. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, he reads these words. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Now I want you to, if you have your Bibles, you should underline that. Notice he said mankind. He did not create any other thing other than mankind in his image. So you were not the leftovers. You were not a second thought. You were not just something that was left, uh, made up an excuse of. You were not uh, just a, a part. You were made in the image of God, Becky, that God fearfully and wonderfully made you. That God said, hey, I'm going to make mankind. If God wanted to, he could have made a fish in his own image. He wanted to do something else, he could have made something else in his own image. But he chose you to make you in his image. And God said, listen. He said, make them in, in, in his image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Now watch this in Genesis 1.31. He says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Now watch this. Verse 31 says this. I love this. So God saw all that he made. That's you. He saw all Bill that he made. So can you imagine God surveyed? He's surveying this crowd right now. He's looking across this crowd, Pam, and he's saying, I see you, Pam. I see you, Kevin. I see you, Abby. And he's surveying the crowd. And not only surveying the crowd, but look what he said. And God saw all that he made, and it was very good. And so many times we live in the er life. I wish I was taller. I wish I was faster. I wish I was smarter. I wish I was prettier. When God said, wait a minute, when I created you, I made you very good in the first place. Accept who you are and love who you are because you're special. You're royal priesthood. You're made in my image. And I'm not junk. I'm the best. After all, I created you and nothing less. Somebody say amen. Right? He says this, and there was evening, and there was morning on the sixth day. God created us to be more like him than anything else he created. Can you imagine that? That you were created 
more like anything else that God created. There is nothing else created like more like him other than you. He never declared, let us make oceans in my image. Can you imagine that? Or birds in my likeness. He never declared that. Every man and woman born or pre-born, rich or poor, urban or rural, is made in the image of God. Some suppress it, others enhance it. Some suppress it and say, oh, man, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. Sometimes we're our own worst critic. People around you love you, but you hate yourself. And you don't like maybe your, your qualities about you. Maybe you don't like your personality. Maybe you don't like your hairstyle. And we so much are our worst critic or our worst enemy. And what we're thinking is not even what people are thinking about us. But we already labeled ourselves. But we can enhance it and say, Lord, I receive who I am. I love who I am. If you have a bad image of yourself, you can lose or forfeit the blessings that he has for you. How many know that's true? If you have a bad self-image, I'm not good enough, I'll never make it, I'm doomed, I'm not worthy, man, who am I to think that I deserve this? If you're always walking around like that, you know, the blessings are going to pass you by, right? When you begin to understand who you are, who you are, create it like, and who's your daddy, it can change your outlook. Do you understand who you are? Do you know who you are? You are a king's kid a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. You see, but here's what happens. Sin has distorted the image of God, but it has not destroyed it. See, what happens is because maybe circumstances and pressures and things that maybe happened in your life, Maybe you went through bankruptcy. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe you had some bad things of rejection and things that you faced in your life. And so what's happened, it's separated you from God. And you know the old cliche, the further you get away from something, the less you're going to be able to see it. It's the same way with God. Pressure, circumstances of life have separated you from God, and now it's distorted the view of God. But when you get closer to God, when he said draw closer to God, he'll draw closer to you. When you get closer to God, you begin to see how great and awesome God is. And when you see how great and awesome God is, it gives it and restores confidence back to you. But sin, maybe circumstances in your life, maybe things that you're doing that are separating you from God. God said there's no condemnation in those who love the Lord. But maybe you're carrying guilt, shame, or condemnation in your life. And because you're carrying that in your life, you don't feel worthy to go to God. When God said, listen, I've forgiven you. I've accepted you just as you are. But you need to forgive yourself. Sometimes we can't forgive ourselves. You see, listen, sin will make you look at how bad you are. How I many know that's true? You're a loser. You never make it. You always fail. You're never going to do this. You're never going to do that. You're not going to amount to anything. I remember when I was a kid. How many of you ever remember those clowns? Remember those clowns, those punching bag clowns? Man, bam, I'd have one of those things. I'd punch as hard as I can. That thing come back and laugh at me. I come back, bam, i punch it again, come back up. Right? How many remember that? That's our lifestyle sometimes. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. We're going to make mistakes in life. We're going to sin. All of sin and fell short of the glory of God. And if you think you haven't sinned, you're a liar. And your pants is on fire. Amen. Right? We all are going to make mistakes. We're all going to do things in our lives. But God forgives and accepts us. You see, we're always going to look at the bad things. But Christ will make you look at him. And when you look at his image, his love, and his forgiveness, it will make you feel better about who you are. You see, in first, uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, I love what Paul is sharing to the church there in Philippi. He says this, being confident of this. 
You know, the Bible says in Hebrews, don't throw away your confidence because it will be richly rewarded to you. And the reason why he says your confidence, don't throw away your confidence because if you have confidence, you're going to go for it. But if you don't have confidence in doing something, what's it going to do? It's going to put you in park, and you're just going to stay there and run your motor, but you're not going anywhere. But if you have confidence, that's what basketball is, 90% confidence and 10% ability. That's the truth. 90% confidence and 10% ability. So, man, having confidence, having confidence that I can go to God. He said, let us come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in our time of need. That I have confidence that God loves me, accepts me, and forgives me just who I am. He doesn't put me down. He doesn't condemn me. He doesn't heap coals of fire over me and tell me I'm going to hell. But he said, listen, I've forgiven you. He who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus our Lord. How many of you know that we're all under construction right now? We're all under construction. That God is still working in us every day of our lives. Have you ever noticed where God says that he is the potter and we are the clay? If you have anything to do with clay, I remember when I was a kid, we used to take that lump of clay and we had to make it look like a little half moon kind of thing. And then you put it down there and make sure it was wet. But before you prepared that clay and put it on that wheel, you had to make sure that every lump or any hard piece of particle that was in that clay was removed from it. Because once you started pinching that clay and molding it, if it had any hard, like a little rock or any pebble in there, it would rip the clay and it would destroy what you were trying to make, right? And what's God do? Every day he's working on you. He's working on you, preparing you for the potter's wheel. And he's taking those things out of your life. He's taking those things out of your life, not for a man for something for you to lose, but for something you to gain. God wants you to gain some things in your life. And God has something great for your life, but he has to take these things out of your life so that he can mold you, shape you, and break you into the very image of himself. So God wants to do that. And so being confident, God says, I'm working on you. He's not trying to, man, hurt you or do these things in your life. He's trying to work you and transform you into the very image of himself. You know, how many of you made New Year's resolutions? Amen. I don't know about you, but my wife and I, we made New Year's resolutions, and we were going to exercise more that we got a treadmill, and boy, that we got a treadmill, and we look at that treadmill, but that treadmill hasn't been running. Amen. But we made New Year's resolutions. We made, man, we're going to exercise, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And I think we've all made some kind of New Year's resolutions, right? Man, when New Year's came, I'm going to read more, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to study more, whatever that case may be, we made New Year's resolutions. But how many of you know you have to exercise to shape us into the image of him? You have to do exercise to shape us into the image of him. And number one is this, you have your notes there, fellowship with God. How do I exercise that shape us into his image? I have to exercise or fellowship with God. Spend time with God. If you don't spend time with God, how are you going to get to know God? you got to spend time with him. You, you know, look, last week we, we talked about couples, and, man, we, we brought couples up front, and it was so cool. But how did you get to love that person that you married or your, or your girlfriend or your spouse or whatever? How did you get to love them? You spent time with them. And by getting to spending time with them, man, what happened? You started to fall in love with them. You liked who they were. You liked their personality. You like what they like to do. You like their interests. You like their hobbies. You had a lot in common. But how would you know that if you didn't spend time with them? It's the same way with God. The more you spend time with God, the more you can take on the interests of God because God will speak to you. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, God said, humble yourself, and then I will begin to speak to you, and I will begin to talk to you. My sheep heareth my voice, and they will follow after me. But you got to spend time. Spend time and get to know him. Number two is this. 
this. It, read his word. You know, if you want to be a leader, you got to be a reader. You got to spend time in his word. Spend time. Spend time in the gospels. Get to know who he is. Another one is this. Obey his plans and his directions for your life. How many of you know that's the hard one? To obey. To obey is better than the sacrifice. Deuteronomy 28 says to obedience, it brings blessings. Disobedience brings curses. God wants to bring us, be obedient. He doesn't want to restrict us. He doesn't want to handcuff us. And that's what a lot of times our mentality is about God. God, you have so many rules. God, you have so many restrictions. God, you have this, that, the other thing. But God doesn't have these rules or restrictions. What they are, there's things that protect you that, man, that won't harm you, that he don't want you to do that. So he has this other path that if you follow this path, you're going to lead you to blessings. It's going to lead you to increase in your life. It's going to lead you to maybe peace, prosperity, joy. And so God wants you to be obedient and follow the yellow brick road. What did they do at the Wizard of Oz? They followed the road to get to the palace to do what? To get the heart, to get courage, get these things. It's the same way with God. He wants you to be obedient to him, follow his instructions, follow his plans for your life so it can bring success to you. Another one is this. How do you be in the image of him? Seek to reflect reflect his character. Man, God, I want to be more like you. How does people get to know Jesus? They get to know Jesus through the character that you have about him. We walk in love. We walk in forgiveness. We walk in kindness. We walk in patience. That God, I want people to know me, and I'm going to walk out your character. I'm going to let your character be a reflection of you in my life. You know, when my brother was growing up, he used to restore cars, and he just recently brought a 1966 Chevelle. He's a he's a Chevelle lover, and man, it's man cherry red, fire engine red, I think is what they call it. But he just brought it. He had it shipped in from Michigan, and I mean to tell you, it's it's, it's sweet. And uh, it's so funny, his wife just sent me some videos because it's like every 10 minutes he goes out in the garage and starts it up. So then he goes back in, goes in the house for 10 minutes, comes back out. So she had to take some videos of it because she wanted to prove it. Look at this. So you just check it out. He's out starting it again, right? But uh, before, he used to restore them. And I remember one time he brought a, a, a Chevelle. And I'm not kidding. When he brought it, I looked at it and thought, man, this is a piece of junk. I thought, wow, what in the world are you doing? Spending money on that? It's a mess. And you know, but he said, oh, CJ, just watch, just watch. And you know what? He did. It was true. Chrissy began to restore it. And man, he took off that quarter panel and began to put some bondo on it and began to shape it, sand it, smooth it, put the body back together. And all of a sudden, I thought, man, it's shaping up to be pretty cool. And before you know it, man, he had this Chevelle looking cool. It was bad to the bone. It was like a midnight blue. He put a black vinyl top on it, black bucket seats, put the wide tires on with the red pinstripe on the red on the tire. It looked so cool. He had the blue lot, uh, blue dot taillights. And this thing was the coolest car. But when you saw it when he, before he restored it, it was like, you got to be kidding me. You brought this and you paid how much for that? Oh, don't you worry. And when he sold that one, man, he made bank because he took something that looked so bad and he restored it. God is in the business of restoring you every day into his image so that the inboard image of Christ can be seen in us. That God is restoring you every day so that the inborn image of Christ can be a reflection of the outward presence of, of him. That what's inside of you can come out of you that people can see the difference in you. And that's what God is doing. He's restoring you every day. He's restoring you and making you into his image every 
day. He wants you to be more like him. And I love this. this is in second, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. He says this, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. When Jesus called out Lazarus out of the tomb. Think about this. When Jesus called off Lazarus out of the tomb, what is the first thing that Jesus said to Lazarus? Take off what? Your grave clothes. In other words, your grave clothes represent death. It represented stench. And what God is saying, you're taking off the old self, your old nature of living. And he says this, and you're putting on its new self, taking off the old self. And in verse 10, and have put on a new self. You're putting on new clothes. In other words, you changed your clothes. He says, you put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and in the image of its creator. That God is changing you, Bar, inside out. He's making you more into the image of himself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, he says these very words. And we all with who... With unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What is he doing? He's transforming you every day. He's transforming you, changing you into the image of Jesus. You see, so when I look at you, Molly, I don't see Molly, but I see Christ in you. When I see Bill, I don't see just see Bill, but I see Christ in you because he's transforming you. He's changing you to be more like him. He wants you to be his reflection. He wants you to be the image of him. And that's what God wants you to be. He wants you to be like more like him. You see, the magazines are wrong when they suggest that you are only as good as how thin you are, muscular you are, or even pimple-free. The movies mislead you when they simply imply your value is based on your intelligence and your net worth. But your value is not only on that. According to the Bible, you are good simply because God made you in his image. Not because of your masculinity, not because of your thin or because your wealth, or that, but because you're made in the image of God. That's your value, that I'm a masterpiece of God. Man, you should be excited about that, that God created me in his image. You see, he cherishes you because you bear the resemblance of him. You will only be satisfied when you engage in your role as an image bearer of God. How many know that's true? Question to ask yourself as we get ready to close. Was I made for God's glory? Am I being made in his image? You know, my daughter is the last to have our latest grandbaby. We have eight grandbabies. And my daughter and my daughter-in-law, my daughter just had our, our grandson Maddox. And it was funny. They didn't want to know what they were having. They really didn't want to know what they were having. So they went and got the ultrasound. And so they went to just to see if it was heartbeat and all that kind of stuff. The very first picture, the very first picture, bing. <laughs> you can figure it out from there, right? And so they knew what it was. Right? They knew. Bing. Right? They knew. It was healthy. Amen. <laughs> and so they knew what it was. And so because they knew what it was, they named him. And here's the crazy thing. I didn't know Maddox. But you know what? Even though Maddox wasn't born yet, I loved him. Man, even though he wasn't here on planet Earth and didn't say Papa yet, Andy, I, I loved him. Why did I love him? Because Maddox was a piece of me. He was part of me. He was part of me. That's my daughter. She has my DNA. She has my blood in her. That was Jason. That's part of me. 
And see, that's the same way. Why does God love you with an everlasting love? It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with whose you are. You are special. You are created in the image of God. Why does God have a heart after you? Because you carry his DNA. You are part of the family of God. He loves you with an everlasting love. And when you feel like you're unlovable, look up because God is looking down on his creation, and that is you. He loves you with an everlasting love. You see, listen, you are his. You carry a part of him in you. Someone may say or may have called you a lost cause. Have you been that way? Someone may have branded you as a failure. Someone may dismiss you as insignificant, but don't listen to them. You are God's idea. God's child created in God's image. Isn't that awesome to know that you were created in God's image? You see, what is the heart of the Father? To make you more and more, Abby, more like him. That's all God wants you to be. He wants you to be more like him. That God, I want to be more like you. Another question to ask yourself, will you let the truth of his image in your heart? Are you listening to the lies? You see, the Bible says in John chapter uh, chapter 8, verse 44, that the devil is the father of lies. He doesn't hold to the truth. He doesn't hold to the truth. He speaks in lies. And what is the lies that he says about you? That you never make it. You're doomed. You're not good enough. You're not qualified. You're not worthy. All these things that he tries to put labels on you. And you know what? Why is it so easy for us to accept a lie than it is to accept the truth? And the truth that God is trying to say to you is that he loves you. But will you embrace it? Will you accept the truth? Because the truth will set you free. Set you free from what? From the misery of feeling not worthy? From the misery of feeling maybe discouraged, depressed, and upset in your life? That's what God wants to do. He wants to set you free. And I love this. Don't base your image on man's standards or views because they will like you today, but tomorrow's another story. How many know that's true? They'll love you one day and bite you the next. Right? All that matters is what God says and thinks about you. You are purchased by his blood. Lastly, go ahead, Ian. You will, will you let truth define the way you see other people? Every person you see was created to bear his image and deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. You and I were made by God to know him and to make him known. That's what God created us for. So I want to ask you, are you willing to let the truth in? The truth is that God loves you. He really does. He loves you. But some of you maybe are feeling unlovable. Maybe some of you are feeling full of guilt and shame, but God said in Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation or shame in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven. You are set free. You are redeemed. God created you in a fearfully and wonderfully, made you in the very image of himself. But you'll never be able to experience the fullness that God has for you if you don't let him in. Will you stand with me today? I encourage you today. This morning, I'm not going to call you forward, but I want to pray over you this morning. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? While your heads are bowed, maybe you say, Pastor, I need to make things right. My my, uh, sight of God is not the way it should be. I don't view God like a loving, caring God. I don't love myself, and therefore I can't accept God's love. And I want to make things right with God. I want to make things right in my heart with God. And, Pastor, I have a low self-esteem, and because of my self-esteem, it's kind of 
made me be isolated and feel rejected and man, I, I pull away from people. And I, I just want to come out and be, be all what God wants me to be. If that's you, no one's looking around and I'm not going to call you forward, but you say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Just lift your hand up. Yes. Anyone else? Yes. 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 Anyone else? Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Over here. Yes. In the, yes. 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 I'm going to count to three. Anyone else? One. Anyone else? Two. Yes. Over there. Yes. Three. Let me put them down. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that, Father, each day you're creating us into the very image of yourself. You're transforming, you're changing, you're rearranging our lives every day. Sometimes we don't understand it, God, but we know that you have the best interest for us each and every day. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, if there are those that are struggling with a low self-esteem, a low self-image about who they are, I pray that, God, you change them, that they will accept the truth, and that truth is that they are fearfully, wonderfully made. They are special. They are special to you, God, and that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what people may think, say, or do, or even how we've been labeled. We are, Lord, set free in you to receive the fullness that you have for us. So, Father, thank you for every individual. Bless them and touch them. And, Lord, continue to work on us each and every day. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory now. For we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Amen. Walk in his image today. Walk in his image. God bless you today. Have a great day. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. To learn more about us or see all our upcoming events, you can find us on Facebook or Instagram by using at Adventure Church Siren or check out our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com.